0: Lost their lives, children, women, men. So, in the book of Joshua, I was looking for a reason. If you've never read Joshua, I would encourage you to read it. Read it slowly. And circle every time God says, No survivors, no survivors, no survivors. When God says, Kill the women and the children. Boy, that, that's the God that I don't too often want to picture where at in my mind. Or do I want to see him in that type of way as someone angry and out of control? And I kept looking okay, God, where's the ungodliness? Where's the ungodliness? Where's the ungodliness? Where's the idols in Joshua? And they're there because the n- countries that are all involved or the different kings that are in, involved, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, the Hittites, I mean, they're all there that was worshiping something else. But you know what the Holy Spirit turned me to look at? is not for the reason of trying to justify God doing what he was doing, but to understand his character. His character is character. Before we pray, I want you to understand something about character. People know you by your character. And therefore, sometimes, especially family members or whatever who really know you and know your character, when they hear somebody speak in a negative way towards your character. You know one of the first things they'll say? That's not the person I know. Because it's out of your what? Character. And that made me begin to look at God's character in the book of Joshua. Not so much of the killing and the destroying that God was doing. But it also brings up another part we're going to look at today. The choices that we have to make that can be hard for us. The choices we have to make that can be hard for us. Let's pray. Father, Father, We ask that you might minister to us, that you would guide us in the next 15, 20 minutes, that, Lord, you would help us to see you in a different light and to have a deeper understanding of you. You tell us in the New Testament that the Old Testament is for our learning. Would you help us to learn about you? Would you help us to learn about ourselves? And Lord, we'll give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was going through this, I also had another little struggle that came up. And the question in mind came to this. Would I prefer to be black or African American or would I rather be a Jew? If you take black American history, and put it alongside Jewish history, you will really see some suffering over here, and little suffering over here. Everywhere the Jew has gone, he has been persecuted. He has been persecuted. He is one, historically, if you look at it, has always survived by the power of God. And it makes Jeremiah, what he says to Israel, to go into captivity and cause your captives to prosper. And everywhere Jewish people have went, they have prospered, even in Russia. The thing we don't like it about God sometimes is the hardships He put us through. But it's in the hardships are the growing time. In the hardship, we have a choice. Run from him or run to him? One or the other. In Israel, we see them, if you study the Old Testament, really see them doing both. A time in which they run from God, a time they run to God. In Joshua We see both are taking place at times. And Joshua even warns the people what would happen to them if they were to leave God. And what we want to be able to see is what Hebrews 10.31 basically warns us about. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Joshua helps us to see that. That it's a dreadful thing. And see, today, <coughs> we don't talk about much about falling into the hands of a dreadful God. We don't talk about falling into the wrath of God, or the anger of God. Most of what we talk about is just the love of God, the gentleness of God, the goodness of God. And maybe we've been overdosed with that, that we don't get the reality of our God. Now, I'm going to ask you this week to read through Joshua. Read through it slowly. Circle every time God says, kill them all. Circle every when God says, no survivors. We have our concept of God. But the scriptures do not hide the character of God. Whether we like it or don't like it. He shows us the reality of the God and the real person of the God that we serve. From the conception, however, of Israel, there has been fighting and war. From the very conception, as you look at the Old Testament and you are really examining it, you will see that Israel was always in some type of battle. Now let me mirror that, if I can. Look at your own life as a Christian. From the time you became a Christian, how many battles have you been in? From the conception of you being born again, how many battles have you had to fight? And go through. For some reason in life, people don't take note of us unless we have had some what? Some battles, some trials, some testing. And God chose Israel to put them in the eyes of everybody. God chose them to be the people who should be watched and of people we should learn from. We should watch them and learn from them. We should watch Israel even today. And what are we going to watch for? What I kept looking for in Joshua, in a sense, I didn't find, but then what I began to find in Joshua was the handprint of God. The handprint of God. If you ever read any of the old material of the seven-day wars with Israel, (coughs) one person makes comment that (coughs) all they had left was homemade bombs. Little bombs that Israel made that they threw out the plane or they threw them, but the testimony was this. When them things went off, they went off much bigger than the regular bombs. A handprint of God. And what you look for in the troubleness of time is the handprint Of God in your life. God working, God doing. And He chose these people for us to learn from. And in Joshua, there's much to learn. The promise to Israel is given, is given before Israel was ever in existence that they would be in the land that they're in. It is the promise of God who scattered them into many other nations after A.D. 70. It was the promise of God that said at some time, some period in history, I will call you out of the nations in which I have sent you into back to Israel. And God has done that and still doing it. It's God's promise. Now, one thing I want you to understand is this because Israel is chosen does not mean they're saved. Because Israel is chosen does not mean they are saved. Yet Yes, many Jews came to a saving knowledge of God or the Lord Jesus Christ. The first century church was basically made up of Jews. And God along the way, he allowed people to be saved based on this fact. They believed in him. They believed him. They made a choice, a difficult choice. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6, 10 and 11. And I want you to think, first of all, of your own house that uh, you have built or you have paid for, you have sweat, you have toiled. and one day somebody knocks on your door and tell you, God's given me your house. What would you do? What would you do? See, God said it to one group of people, but didn't say it to who? To the people that he was taking the land from. Nowhere do we have per se, that God said it to the people who were going to have to give up their houses, their land, their vineyards, all the things that they had sweated and toiled for. So again, I would say to you, if somebody knocked on your door and said, God gave me your bank account, God gave me your house, God gave me your car, what would you say to that person? Don't have to say that now. But in a sense, that is what happens. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Go with me to verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, they're not there yet, when he brings you into the land, he swore to your father, Abraham, there was no Israel. Isaac, there was no Israel. Jacob, who he changes Jacob's name to what? To Israel. To give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled With all kind of good things, you did not provide. Wells, you did not dig. And vineyards and olive groves, you did not plant. That I'm going to walk up to you and I'm simply going to say, God says I am to possess your house and all your wealth and all your goods and your nice things in your house. I hope we can somewhat see the picture of other people fighting. They're fighting for what they believe is theirs. The sovereign will of God says, no, I'm going to place Israel here. And that's the part that disturbs us why would God do such a thing like that? It's not good enough. As sometimes we would say, God can do anything he wants to do. That's not good enough. Why? Because if you really study the scriptures, you see that God limits himself. He will not lie. He will not use deceptiveness to trick us. There's certain things God will not do. But on the other hand, there's other things God will do. He will keep his word. And this word was made 600 years or more. Before Israel ever went into the land. Remember they're just coming out of 400 years we're at in Egypt. They just spent 40 years in the desert. And this promise was made to Abraham. We're well over 600 years. And now God is saying Israel, you're going to cross the Jordan. Into Canaan and take the land that I promised to you. Go over to Joshua. I want you to go to 2145. I want you to this in your minds first. 2145. And what really surprised me also is that God is the one who hardens their hearts to fight against Israel. But 21.45, look what it says. Not one of all the Lord's good promises. Now understand what Joshua is saying here. Not one of the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed everyone was fulfilled what is he saying Joshua could only see the fulfillment of the promises of God backwards not where yet ahead you can't really see your f- what future But because God has kept His promises from the time you ever came into being, all that God has promised you has come to what? Come to pass. Why would you doubt Him now? And Joshua says that God has kept all of His promises and has fulfilled all of them. even up to this very point of giving us the land. Now, oftentimes when we read this, we think they're just going against Jericho. They're going against about eight to ten other small little countries, not just one, that they're going to clear out the land. So come on down to Joshua 1, verse 10 now's the time. He says, So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. After God gave him that encouraging word, Be strong, Joshua. I'll always be with you. Don't be afraid. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people in verse 10. Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and possess and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. In spite of who's living over there, in spite of who owns what over there, God is going to give it to you. And that's where Islam and Christianity bump heads. Over the issue, is this the real God authorizing Israel to have the land? To Muslims, to Islam, it is not the true God. To Christians, it is the true God. Each one of us have to make that decision. Is this the true God who's authorizing this action to be taken. Or isn't it? He says to the people, get ready now. After over 600 years, we're going to fulfill this promise. You're going to go into the land of Canaan, and you're going to take possession of the land. No matter who lives there, you're going to go take possession of the land. Let's go a little fast forward here. Rahab. She's so important. Question Is Rahab saved because she hid the spies or because she believed God? You have to answer that. You have to dig into that text and you have to answer. Okay, she was spared because, boy, life for life, she hid the spies. She Uh, lied for the spies or is it simply because she believed God second question if she believed God is it possible also that others may have believed God I want you to go to John chapter 8 keep your finger where we're at go to St. John Chapter 8, I want you to hear something, and you can take this and you can apply it even to today. See, Romans ten seventeen tells us, faith cometh by what? Hearing. Now, what it leaves out in that verse is this, you hear, but how do you apply? You hear, how do you respond? A lot of people hear and there's no response. A lot of people hear but they do not react to it. They don't claim it. They don't really live it out. They only hear it. Look what Jesus says here. He says in 47. He who belongs to God, here's what God says. Now I want you to Put that down, because we're going to apply that back to Rahab. He who belongs to God hears what God says. He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong. Understand that. The reason a lot of people don't want to hear God's word is because they really don't what? Belong. Belong. One of the worst things we've done in Christianity is made easy believism. And all you have to do is say, I believe. But there's nothing in your life that demonstrates that. There's nothing in your life that really shows that. There's no devotedness of your life where you are devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not another religion on earth that you can get by so easy without fulfilling certain demands. But in Christianity, it is not about demanding you All of our service comes out of one word. Love. 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 Not out of any force. Not out of any demand. You can't even join the Masons without being devoted to them and following their rules. You can't be an Eastern Star without following rules. You can't even be in the Boy Scouts without learning their pledge and following their rules and learning their things. Only in Christianity, pardon my word, can we be a bunch of dummies and believe. And the question did Rahab, did she believe? So, in chapter 2, verse 1 Then Joshua, son him, Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go. Look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house. Now why would the Holy Spirit say a prostitute? The worst type of a person that these individuals could have climbed up the wall, and her house is right on the wall, and they're in her house, the house of a prostitute. And the scripture wants us to recognize how bad or how this person, the character of this person, a prostitute. No Jew would go into, no righteous Jew would go into the house of a prostitute. And yet, here these men are. The king of Jericho recognized there are some spies in his city, and he begins to hunt for them from verse 2 on down. But it says, but the woman in verse 4, but the woman had taken the two men and hid them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. What is Rahab doing? What is Rahab doing here? She's what? She's lying. She's lying. Now, catch this. And this is so important for us to catch. Rahab is lying to protect those who want to destroy her people. Rahab is denying who she is in order to protect these two individuals. Rahab is going against her own city, her own culture, her own people who she has grown up with. She's denying everything about herself to hide these two spies. Can you see that? And she sends the king's men on a wild goose chase. You might catch them. Now let's look at Rahab real quick. Go to verse 8 with me. Before the spies laid down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you. I what? I know that the Lord has given this land to you. How did Rahab know that? How did Rahab know that? That the Lord had given the land over To Israel. I know that. And at that point. There's a surrendering of her life. Because she knows the Lord. Has given. The land. Not that Israel has taken the land. But the acknowledgement. Of what the Lord is doing. And you know one of the hard parts that we have to deal with in life is acknowledging what God is doing in our life. Even when I don't like it. But to acknowledge God is, if he's sovereign, if he is the potter and I am the clay and he is the God of my life, He's the Lord of my life, what is it that he cannot do with my life? And Rahab says, I know that the Lord has given you this land to you and that a great fear of you have fallen on us. Who's the us? All the people of Jericho. So Jericho had some knowledge about God. Jericho had knowledge about God. Now understand this principle here, this point. A lot of people in America have knowledge about God but don't respond to that knowledge. All the radio, all the TV programs, all the things that we have going on, people and families sharing with other unbelievers in their family, people in this country have knowledge about God but will not respond to that knowledge. And when you don't respond, eventually God has to take some type of action. He goes on. She says, We have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Shion and Ard. The two kings of the Amorites. East of the Jordan. Whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it. Our hearts melted. And everyone's courage failed. You can come to a point of hopelessness. But in your hopelessness, you will not acknowledge God. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Lean not on what? Your own understanding. Seek not your own way, your own path. If any man lacks knowledge or wisdom, ask of me and I will give of him. But we're too proud to ask. And God says we have not because we what? We ask not. Slow up clock. And, And that whole process, God is going to do what God's going to do, but it's not without God warning the people beforehand. The people knew, and they were frightened. They were scared. They lost their courage. But they hung on to their idols and what they wanted to do in life and believed the way they want to believe rather than to believe God. I believe the same thing that happened with Rahab would have happened to the others. And I'm going to assume for some it may have happened. That when she believed God, she was saved. Follow this because it's so important. Come on down here in the next five minutes. He says. When we heard of it, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. If you haven't underlined that, underline that. What is Rahab saying? See, it's so easy to say God is the God of what? Heaven. He rules everything in heaven. And for a lot of us in our thinking, that is true. God rules everything in heaven, but rules nothing here on earth. Therefore, we have to make it the best we can here on earth. We have to do the best we can. We're the ones that have to whoop through this and fight through this and do this. Because God does nothing here on earth. But what Rahab acknowledges is this. He is the God of heaven. And also the God on earth. You see the difference? He rules here just like he rules there. And she acknowledges that. That he rules both heaven and earth. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then... Please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them. And that you will save us from death. You see the transaction between flesh and flesh. And the spies, they say life for life. God says, because you believe, I give you life and also what you have asked for. I give you life and also what you asked for. Totally different. And Rahab is saved not because she lied for the spies, not because she hid the spies, because she believed the God of heaven was also the God of earth. Don't bypass that. Don't miss that. Because that is so important to catch. He's not just the God of heaven. He is the God who rules here. Okay, what you're going through, you've got to answer the question. Is God in charge? See, sometimes God has to break us. Don't you buy All the men, we have to go through that. In order to be the godly men that God wants us to be. We have to be broken by him. In order to learn how to obey him. Because he is the God of earth. His will is being accomplished. Even now. Even in Israel. His will is being accomplished. What part of His will is being accomplished? His sovereign will. They're there. They're there. And they will not be moved out of there. Here comes something that you and I have to acknowledge. If Israel is defeated and Israel is removed from that land. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that they'll come in a second time and rule in their land. If that happens, we might as well get ready to throw everything away. Because our eyes are on Israel. Now understand this. Not so much on Israel, but on the God who promised Israel. And what we want to look for in this war is the testimonies that come back through the people of God's hand at work. And next week we're going to look at God's hand at work. Especially when God does two things that is stated. So I'll kind of you because you can go read it and, and really be amazed like I was. God said through the hell storms, He killed more people than the sword. Secondly, when Israel is chasing their enemy, God does something only God is able to do. I save so many papers I don't know where to look for stuff when I call myself saving it and got it put up. But years ago, when I was in school one of the professors brought in a paper, scientific paper, showing how they got one of the rockets above our atmosphere. And one of the scientists who was reading the Bible found a missed day. And when he put that missed day, that 24 hours, into the calculations, of being able to get that rocket ship out and back into our atmosphere. It worked. And in Joshua, it says, God held the sun from going down for one whole day. That's the handprint of God that you're looking for. Something only God could do. That God can make hell so big that when it hits man, it kills man. That's the handprint you're looking for. You're looking for something that man can not do and only God is able to do because it shows his handprint on it. And what you're looking for when you're going through trials, you're going through trouble, you're going through difficulty. You're looking for God's fingerprints to be on it. To say that I'm involved in this. It's not just you doing it. And God. Does what he's doing. What he's doing. And killing all these people. Yet. When I look at his character. His character. Of righteousness. His character of justice. His character of mercy and love. I begin to. His character. You will not violate his character and being upset and mad with people. The people would not follow Rahab's example and believe him. Believe him. Believe him. Father, thank you for ministering to us. Much more for us to learn out of this book. Would you open this book unto us as we walk through it? And Lord, we'll give you praise and we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. As we go into communion, I want you to just take a moment and, Lord, I'm looking at myself. Would you Allow your Holy Spirit to speak to me, that I might examine myself as I partake of your table. And any sin I need to ask you to forgive me of, I ask that you would forgive me, that I might freely take of this table with a clear conscience, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes it is, yes it is.